everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk. Good morning. My name is Emily Nefis. I'm the Connect Pastor here at the Vineyard and just want to give you all a warm welcome and an introduction to our series called TED Talks. So this morning, you will get to hear from Laura Pappas and Danny Beecham. And what I'd like to do is just open up our time in prayer, and then I'll invite our first speaker to come up. So would you just close your eyes, pray with me this morning. So Holy Spirit, would you come? We invite you, Lord, into this place. We know that you are here. But Father, I I ask that right now in a special way, that you would make your presence known. So would you fill every heart with peace, more of your peace right now, God. I pray that every distraction, every fear, every worry would fade right now in the name of Jesus. God, would you open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear from you this morning. Amen. Our first speaker today, I am so honored to introduce. I actually had the privilege of having Laura Pappas in my life group. Her first life group uh, was one that Frank and I led, so we got to know her in a really deep way, uh, and we absolutely adore Laura. And those of you that know her feel the same way, that she lights up a room, that she's one of these people of peace that you love to be around. So Laura is a wife and a mother of two, Miles is nine, Max is six, going on seven. Laura loves to be outside. She's an enthusiast for the outdoors. She's also a triathlete, and her day job is a management consultant. We are honored and thrilled to have Laura here with us today. So Laura, come on up and give Laura a round of applause. Thanks, Emily. I'll probably forget that later, but <laughs> okay. So today I'm here to do my TED talk uh, and share with you guys on how a triathlete talks to God. So as Emily mentioned in my intro, I do triathlon. Um, and before I get into the talk, I wanted to start it out with a scripture that really resonates with me, kind of in and around all this. So hopefully by the end it'll make sense. Maybe it makes sense now, but. Um, It's from Philippians 4.13, and it's, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. All right, so before I tell you how a triathlete talks to God, I figured that not everyone in here would know what triathlon is, so I will start with that. So triathlon is a sport that consists of three sports, hence the tri, swim, bike, and run, in that order. So what you do in a triathlon is first you swim, then you bike, and then you run. There are all different distances, um, sprint, Olympic, and half Ironman distances are what I do, so I decided I'd share a little bit about that with you here. A sprint's got a shorter swim, it's usually like 400 meters to 750 meters. You do like a 12 to 15 mile bike, and then usually a 5K. Olympic is a little longer. You swim 1,500 meters, which is almost a mile, then you do forget the bike, a 25-mile bike, (laughs) and then a 10K run. 
Um, and then the longest ones that I do are the half Ironman distances, which is a 1.2 mile swim, a 56 mile bike, and then a half marathon, 13.1 miles. So the full Ironman is double that. I don't want to go there, it's too much. <laughs> so I thought it'd be helpful to share a few pictures with you guys as well. Um, so here's kind of what it might look like at the swim start. This is an ocean swim. So usually we start like as a big group, they blow a whistle, beep something, yell, go, you run in, you swim, you come out. <laughs> Most of the time you're wearing a wetsuit. Um, sometimes it's too hot and then you don't, you don't wear a wetsuit. And so from here, whoops, uh, you go into the bike. So you transition uh, from the swim into the bike. And here's just, you know, me and my bike uh, for a race that I did and then kind of like out in the course. Um, usually you're on the road and sometimes the roads are closed. So if you're ever driving somewhere and you see closed for a race, like thank you for diverting the traffic. Um, but, you, but sometimes there's still cars. So um, depends on how long the race is really. Like it's hard to block off 56 miles of road, you can imagine. Um, then you come in from the bike, you go back into transition, and then you go onto the run. So this picture over here has got me with in transition. I think this is after the race, but there's basically lots of racks and your bikes, and then you have to have everything you need to swim, bike, and run, like all in about this much space, very tiny. <laughs> um, and then you out in the run. The run can be on road, it can be on the beach, it can be through trails, it's all over the place. That's one of the things I, I like and enjoy about it too. All right, so that is triathlon in a minute and a half or something like that. So what I really wanted to talk to you about today is how I've learned or how I've found myself worshiping while I'm doing this training. So as you can imagine, a sport that has three sports in it requires a lot of time. So I spend a lot of time swimming, biking, and running. Um, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and in the Catholic Church, everything was very formal. If you've ever been to a mass, like the joke, it's like sit, stand, kneel, sit, stand, kneel, right? Like that's all you do. Everything's very formal, and I, I wasn't ever taught that prayer could be kind of more along the lines of just talking to God. Um, and so linking together my training and worshiping or, or praying was never something that felt right until I joined the vineyard and I started learning kind of a different model and a different way. Um, so when I learned that I could have a relationship with God and, you know, and God made me who I am, and as a person that likes to do triathlon and spend three hours on a bike ride, um, I thought, hey, why not talk to God while I'm doing these things? You know, why not give it a try? So that's really how I started. Um, I started on some of my bike rides, I think, um, like, even when I was, like, commuting before COVID. And I'd be riding down the Chester Valley Trail, like, just talking out loud. Sometimes I was, like, yelling. Sometimes I might be crying. Sometimes I'm just, you know, like, like oh, just watch out for this person and help this person through that thing. And, you know, all sorts of things. And what that really helped me do was start to talk to God and really develop a relationship with him. And, and, and I did it through something that I loved. So there was a couple of things I think have also helped make this successful for me is that when I am training, I've removed a whole lot of distractions, right? So I'm not one that sit still very often. And when I am like alone, 
I'm doing like 17 things at once. So even if I'm working from home on a meeting, like I'm probably also, if I'm not on video, like doing laundry, putting dishes away, doing something else, right? So it's really difficult to pray when you have like all those other distractions going on. But when I am running or biking, swimming I'm still working on because you gotta count your laps and like it just happens quite frequently. So the swimming I don't do quite as much worshiping, but on the biking and the running, I've taken away a lot of distractions. I do have a workout that I need to focus on, but also like with that, you know, um, you can do all things with him who gives me strength, right? Like a lot of times some of the workouts are hard. And so that's a great time to just be praying to God and saying, like, help me get through this interval. Or um, I was just out running last week, and it was so hot. <laughs> and I was thinking through all the people I wanted to pray for. And, like, I got, like, this picture. And I was like, oh, is this me or is this God? Or am I just, like, hallucinating because it's 90 degrees and 90% humidity out, you know? Um, so I've, I've really, like, learned that, I, I am connecting with God when I'm doing these things and doing my, my workouts, doing my intervals, and, um, and that it's been really great. And what's, what's great, too, is that it helps me pass the time. Um, and I feel like I'm a lot more productive and light at the end. Like, I get done a bike ride, and I'm like, wow, that was awesome. I hit all my numbers, and I had this really amazing conversation with God. And now I have this piece or something that I want to share with someone. The big thing that I found here is that, like, when I'm biking, especially if I'm biking outside versus, like, in my basement, I've got a trainer that can basically take my outside bike and make it a stationary bike. Um, when I'm biking outside in particularly or running, like if somebody pops into my head, it's really difficult to remember afterwards that I want to like tell them this thing that happened. If I'm on my bike in the basement, I'll like pull up my phone right there and say like, hey, I just got this from you. Like maybe it's from God or I don't know, <laughs> you know. Um, so sometimes I remember, sometimes I sometimes I forget. Um, but... But yeah, so that's some of how I started to talk to God, especially like when I'm out on my bikes. And then it's been interesting as I've been evolving my relationship, the way I talk to God both through, um, through my workouts and kind of through my other prayer time has, has been evolving. And one thing that I started noticing on my runs in particular was that I would be running and all of a sudden I would get a worship lyric running through my head to help me get through something. Um, so let me preface this and say that I'm not very musical, and um, I don't, like, have songs running through my head all the time. I am not that great at remembering them. I don't play any sort of musical instrument, so I do enjoy listening to worship music. Um, and through my relationship with God, I all of a sudden started realizing that like, oh, these lyrics actually relate back to the Bible. And now that I'm reading the Bible, I know what it means. So it's not just a pretty song that evokes feeling, you know, it's a pretty song that evokes feeling and is truly rooted in the Bible. So that was something I, I started to realize on my runs. Um, and what was most interesting is, is like I said, since I don't practice songs or have these things going on, like I'll listen to a Pandora worship station and, you know, listen to worship music in church, but um, things would just pop into my head and just 
help push me through. And I don't normally know what it's going to be. And I don't always remember what it is when I'm done. And I truly feel like that's just God saying, here's what you need right now in the moment. He's meeting me where I am and giving me whatever that word is that I need at that exact point in time to push me through whatever it is. Whether I've been, my head's been spinning and I'm thinking about something at work or a relationship problem or this encounter that I had that I wish I would have done differently. Or I'm just like, oh my gosh, how can I hold this pace for another three minutes? I, I can't. <laughs> and there's a hill. Great. You know? Um, so I really feel like God is meeting me where I am on that. Um, so I know that not all of you guys do triathlon, whatever consider doing triathlon, especially now after I told you some of the distances, you're probably like, that's insane. No, right? How long on a bike? I won't be able to feel my legs for days, right? Um, but I do hope that kind of with what I shared just now about how God has been meeting me, kind of when I'm doing something that I love, for me too, particularly movement or being out in nature, that's when I find God. Um, I think part of it is because I can get rid of some of those distractions and I can really listen, even though it doesn't always feel like listening. Um, but I know that while we all don't do triathlon, we all do have hard things that go on in our lives, and they are all sorts of different things. So I hope that the next time you're going through a hard thing, that maybe you just take a walk. Maybe it's around your living room, you know, maybe it's outside, but go somewhere that helps you connect with God, because God made us, he made all of us individually. He knows where we connect with him best, and just let him meet you there and see what happens. So um, I just wanted to end with one additional scripture. Um, this morning, it felt appropriate that I was doing a 90-minute bike ride in the basement, <laughs> and I had some prayer time, and um, I used the Bible app, which many of you may, and the, the, the scripture for today felt like it was related, so I thought I could just end with that. So it's from Romans 8, 18, uh, the NLT translation, and it says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared, compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So just another reminder that even though it could be hard right now, it's going to be better later. Thank you. Before we transition into Danny, I want to take some time to make some connections with what Laura has said um, and to just reflect and let what she has said sink in. So uh, something that we do at this church every Sunday is that we have a group of people, and you're always welcome to join. They meet in the chat room, and they pray before the service and just say, God, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? Is there anything um, that we can partner with you today. And so I brought up the list. So the, the people pray and they make a list. And this list goes up on the slide. Don't, you don't have to show that yet. And we um, pray over those during ministry time, which we'll get to after Danny. But I wanted to point out this really cool connection because nobody in that prayer room saw Laura's talk right? They had no idea what Laura would say, but I just, I was reading it as I'm listening to Laura and thinking, God, you're just so good. You're so kind. And I believe God really does want to speak to your heart today. So some of the things that 
were prayed over this morning connect with Laura's story. And I want to pray for all of you for these things. Um, so the first one is that you may be a person that really wants to pray, but you get easily distracted. So even Laura said that, that it can be hard to pray just because there are so many distractions. And so running for her is a way to let go of those and to dial in to Jesus. And so kids, even you here today, I know kids, sometimes it can be so hard because we don't audibly hear God. Some people can or have, but usually we don't. So it can be really hard to, to pray because there's just so many distractions. So if that's you today, we're going to pray over that before we invite Danny up. And then another word was that you want to, you might be a person here today that wants to reignite your faith. So maybe in Laura, you saw the glow. Did you notice? There's this glow in her. So when she first came some years ago, she was curious. I, I remember this adventurous spirit in Laura. Like, what are they doing? Why do they pray like that? I even remember her asking me, what, what is this? And how can I, can I pray like that? Um, and so you may be in this place of like, I just want to reignite. I, I want the glow that Laura has to come back inside of me. Like, I love Jesus, but I'm just missing this passion, this glow. Um, and so we're going to pray over that as well. And then another word, oh, there's two more. A struggle, a struggle to be still, just have a hard time being still. And then the word, um, it's from Jeremiah in the Bible, seek me and you will find me. So let's just, before we invite Danny, I would love for you to close your eyes. And if you would like, you could um, extend your hand like this or two hands just in a receiving posture because I do believe God wants you to receive from him today um, something from this connection. So Holy Spirit, would you come? And God, I just pray right now that you would bless. Bless every single person in this room with a glow, with a fire with an ability to leave this place today and find a special place where they can meet with you. I bless each person with a new, fresh ability to be still and to seek you. So Holy Spirit, come. More of you, God. Would you reignite faith? And I pray and I bless an outpouring of faith, the gift of faith. God, would you pour it out in every single heart? Amen. Amen. Our next speaker is Danny Beecham. I have also had the privilege of knowing him for so many years and also having him in a life group. Uh, and he, Danny, is married to Shauna. They have two beautiful boys. And Danny is... So fun. Loves motorcycles, loves movies. So if that's you, connect with Danny. His day job is a forensic social worker. But Danny is just, I find him to be an amazing storyteller. One of those people that you just want to kind of sit at his feet and be like, okay, keep, keep telling me your stories. This is awesome. Uh, so I, I love that about you, Danny. And I'm excited to hear just another story that you have for us today. And so just imagine us as your uh, your listeners today as you share a really impactful and powerful story. So come on up. I mean, not trip, just right. Oy. 
have to preface what Emily said, but just by saying that it's usually only like that if I have the chance to prepare my words in advance, sit down, think about them a lot. Otherwise, I'm just like, you know, I'm a little distractible very easily, so uh, be warned. In this world, you will suffer, so, and you will experience sorrow. So who will you or what will you suffer for? This statement is not an example of me sharing a pessimistic view of the world. It's a fact of life, and it's also biblical. But we definitely do not need to be told or reminded that we are going to experience suffering in this world. Everyone has at some point in their lives experienced some form or degree of suffering and sorrow. Think about a time when you experienced great sorrow. As you look back on that experience, do you think you were fortunate to have suffered? Or to have experienced sorrow? Do you believe your suffering was a blessing to you or to your life? In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Paul writes, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. I recently found a definition or an explanation for the word blessed that I really love. Blessed is the ultimate well-being and distinctive spiritual joy of those who share in the salvation of the kingdom of God. Now I know what you're thinking. How could those kinds of wonderful feelings be tied to experiences of suffering and sorrow? Well, very glad you asked. As you may know, Jesus uses people to spread his message, and he calls us to be examples of his love throughout the world. Jesus also really loves to use us when we are at our lowest, most broken, and feeling the most useless that we have ever felt. Though we may feel inept and pathetic, Jesus can use us and use our brokenness as a powerful force for his purpose. Jesus can empower us to do, say, feel, and be much more than we can possibly conceptualize so that we can be beacons of his amazing love to others. This past September, I experienced the most intense and disturbing period of suffering and sorrow in my life. I received a phone call informing me that both of my parents had been killed by a careless driver. My parents had been out riding on my dad's motorcycle, something they loved doing together for almost 50 years. They were riding back to their house after they had just been out for a quick lunch stop, and then they were just gone. I was astounded. I had no words. And if you know me, that's <laughs> saying something. When the initial shock had faded, after what felt like an eternity, I cried for a bit, collected a few thoughts, and then tried to talk myself through the horrific event as it had been explained to me by the police in order to remind myself it had really happened. I called my sister 
And after we shared a few moments of private misery, I told her I loved her. And together with our spouses, we began to call and reach out to our family and friends. Three days later, I found myself at home in my house for the first time since my parents had been killed. I was standing in the kitchen at the counter when I heard, I heard a voice so briefly yet so distinctly say, the voice of my mom, it was the voice of my mom, and she said, I will always be in the kitchen. I immediately began to cry and then found myself sobbing and then wailing. My cries got louder and louder and eventually reached a level of intensity that I had not realized was inside of me. Before I knew what was happening, I started yelling and screaming at the top of my lungs. Guttural uproars of extreme anguish, sadness, anger, and heartbreak. I yelled noises, curses, words until I ran out of air. Sometime before I started screaming at the top of my lungs, I definitely lost the ability to think logically about my actions. I no longer cared or thought about what I was doing or why and just let the feelings wash over me. When they did, it felt like I was standing under a waterfall of love and adoration. But instead of water, it was the Holy Spirit that washed over me. I suddenly felt an overwhelming weight of knowing that my parents were there with me in that room. I didn't hear their voices audibly. I just knew they were there. I could feel their presence around me. I would speak a question or think a thought out loud or in my mind, and instantly I would just know what their answer or response would be. I felt their arms wrap around me in comfort as I was on my knees on my kitchen floor, gleefully bawling my eyes out. I became overwhelmed with feelings of joy, bliss, amazing awesomeness, and glory. So much so that I knew the Holy Spirit had to be there with me as well. And that Jesus was blessing me with a tremendous gift. This experience continued for I don't really know how long, but I remember there were two distinct moments when I was so fantastically overwhelmed with feelings of joy and happiness that I literally had to ask Jesus to give me a break because I could not breathe. Once I caught my breath, I immediately clarified for my Lord and Savior that I did not want him to stop what he was doing. I just needed a minute to catch my breath before he moved on because it was amazing. I was moved to lay prawn on the kitchen floor, laying down with my face uh, against the floor. I was mashing my forehead into the floor, speaking words of praise and thanks to God. It felt like something needed to come out of me. I stretched my arms and legs out as far as I could, and I felt what I believed was the power of the Holy Spirit radiate out of me, out of my body, into and throughout my entire house. I yelled at any evil spirits that might be lurking in my home to be gone in the name of Jesus. As I was laying on my kitchen floor, my arms outstretched, I began praising God, or continued praising God, I exclaimed my praises of thankfulness and joy and gave myself over to God's love and his spirit, and I felt nothing but calm, peace, and safe. I saw a vision of my parents 
looking down on me from heaven. I saw them dancing and praising God, partying and having an awesome time. I shouted out screams of excitement at the top of my lungs. I cried out, I knew it! I believed and I knew it! I became immensely thrilled and excited. I think I might have been allowed to glimpse just the teensiest, tiniest, little itty-bitty sliver of heaven. And I knew then, as I do feel I do now, on a much deeper level than ever before, that one day I would be there too. That this world is temporary, and that one day I would be reunited with my parents, and we will all be united together with all believers in a perfect paradise with our Heavenly Father forever and ever. I have no doubts at all that the Holy Spirit communicated with me. I am incredibly grateful for the sorrow and suffering I experienced and continue to experience because it has brought me immensely closer to Jesus. I had nothing to give anyone. I felt like an exposed nerve, feeling everything, and then eventually for a period, nothing. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are what sustained me. He met with me. He filled me. He empowered me not just to survive, but to thrive. Does any or all of this mean that I am in any way grateful or glad that my parents died? Absolutely not. However, it means that when I was in the midst of the most devastating, painful, and gut-wrenching experience of my life, I felt the loving comfort and embrace of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in a real and tangible way that I had never experienced before. And for that, I am and will forever be grateful. Oh, by the way, what I've shared here today is by no means the full extent of this story and what happened. I haven't even gotten to the part where Shauna came home from running errands and found me laying on the kitchen floor, singing, screaming, praises to God, thinking I was probably having some kind of seizure or breakdown. I haven't gotten to tell you about the call I got from my neighbors later who live across the street who wanted to just make sure I was okay because of the amount of screaming they heard coming out of my house. <laughs> but it's all good because I love telling other people about my story and about what happened. So I would love it if later you sought me out and asked me about it. In closing, I'd like to read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you. Take a moment with me to reflect, and if you would close your eyes again and just open your hands.
Holy Spirit, I, I ask right now that you would allow a moment, some space to come in a special way and to give us a new perspective of grief. Lord, would you show us the connection between suffering and sorrow and grief and joy? Holy Spirit, would you remind us that grief is like waves. Comes, it goes. It comes and it goes. And joy is constant. You are always there. You are always there to just listen when we cry. You are there to dance and to sing when we find those moments and those pockets of joy. You are there when we worship and when we cry. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that if anyone today is feeling grief, the loss of someone they love, maybe feeling the pain of someone else who has lost a loved one, maybe people feeling grief over a change in their life. Lord, would you pour out an experience of joy? Or would you pour out a perspective change? this morning. Jesus, would you smile down on us? Would you sit with us? Would you hold the grief, hold the change? And in your other hand, would you open it to reveal what joy can feel like in the midst of sorrow and suffering and pain and change and grief? Open the other hand to show us your joy. So more of your love, God. More of your peace. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.